Today's scripture reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 1 through 2, and verses 18 through 19. But now, this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. That's a great word for this morning. Amen. Amen. All right, all right. Friends, we are barely uh, eight days into a new year. Today is, yeah, January 8th, barely eight days. And we've gathered now for the second time. And even in the midst of us gathering this day, we remember everything that happened in 2022. And we're even filled right now with some angst about what is 2023 uh, going to to do in our midst. What is going to happen? We don't know, right? We don't know what's going to happen in 2023 in the days and the weeks and the months, but what we do know is that God is with us throughout it all. Amen? That God is faithful. Amen? And that God will provide. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy and living and gracious God, we give you thanks for 2022. We give you thanks for a new year, and we give you thanks for this year that is still in its infancy, that we are just about over that first week threshold. We give you thanks for being with us all of the days, all of the hours, all of the minutes of our lives, knowing that you are a constant in our lives, that though years may come and go, that you remain the same. God, may we breathe in a fresh breath of your spirit this morning. And may the words of all of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Because, O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, Amen. Well, at the start of a new year, in some families or cultures, there are some traditions that are associated with welcoming in a new year. I was doing some research and I found out that many people, about 85%, maybe give or take, you know, 85% of people open the new, open the door, the front door on New Year's Eve in order to let go of 2022 or let go of that past year and to welcome in the new year. Do you do that? Well, 85% is out the window and out the door, literally. Some other people have traditional foods that they eat around this time of year, like black-eyed peas, or someone at 815 reminded me that we need to mention collard greens because we're in the South. Do you eat black-eyed peas or collard greens on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day? Some of you. Okay, okay. In the Midwest, in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and that whole region, the tradition is kibasi and sauerkraut. What about you here in the South? I heard some sounds of disgust from this side. It's okay. I'll, I'll pray. I'll pray for you. Kibasi and sauerkraut is a is a delicious thing, and, and that's what I had on New Year's Day. It, it helps you for the new year. Literally, it prepares you. 
One of the traditions in my family uh, that I was reminded of on uh, New Year's Eve pretty late in the night was to put money out on our table. My aunt sent a family text that said, don't forget to put money out on the kitchen table before the clock struck midnight. And I began to wonder, why? Why does my family do this other than just being some crazy folks? Do any of you put money out on the... Oh, great. Yes. All right. We're not the only ones. But I looked into it over the past couple of days. Why do people put money out? It's, it's the thought that it's going to be blessed for the new year. That The thought is that you will carry that same amount of money, maybe a little bit more, nothing less, though. You will carry that out through the next year. And as I began to search a little bit more, I found a uh, superstition that was claimed in this random blog post about the 15 best New Year's Eve superstitions that could bring you good luck. And the only inkling that resonated with this tradition of my family was that somebody went to the ATM and withdrew all of their money and put it out on their table. And that was going to give you financial prosperity in the new year. Right, right. Withdrawing all of your money from the ATM is going to give you financial prosperity in the new year. That's no, no way to start a new year. So I obliged with my family's traditions and I put my bank statement and my pension statement out on the table. So here's the hoping that I have that in 2023. Why would we put money on the table, especially with little ones running around who are always in search of something to put in their piggy banks or even in their mouths? I didn't put any money, like I said, just pieces of paper. Another thing that my family embarks on during this first year of, first week of a new year is to recount and to remember all of the things that have happened in the past year. To look back and to remember how God had been with us throughout it all. How did we grow? How did we change both physically and spiritually? How are we going to grow in this next year? What are our hopes? What are our dreams? What are our fears as well? In making those lists, we marked the times that we had changed, the ways that we had noticed how God had been at work, and even in hindsight, how God had been at work in our lives, even when we might not have recognized it. Every year brings with it some season of change, and we all hope that this next year will not be like the last, but who knows? The only thing that we can know for certain is that it's not going to be like the last, and it's going to be new, uncharted territory. And for some of us, that causes great fear, the unknown. We flip the calendar page and we go from 22 and hello to 23. And as we cross the threshold of a new year, it seems like we are always crossing a threshold. Think about it. We have the calendar year and the fiscal year and the church year and the school year and even a year for those sports teams and those athletic seasons that sometimes define our calendar. We're always on the verge of a new year, a new thing, and it can be overwhelming, especially when the changes affect our daily lives and routines. In our scripture for this morning from the prophet Isaiah, he was speaking and prophesying some 600 years before the time of Jesus. Open up your Bibles if you have them with you or the Bible app, Isaiah 43. At the time, Israel... At the time Isaiah was speaking or writing, Israel had been overthrown. They were in captivity in Babylon. They were forced to live some 600 miles away from home, their promised land, the promised land that God had given to them. 
The exiles, uh, the Israelites were in exile because they had sinned before God. They had rebelled. They had committed idolatry. They had broken their covenant and their, their relationship with God. Even though they were in exile, some in the Israelite community still held on to their faith. They knew why they were in exile. They knew that they had sinned before God. They knew that they had sinned before one another. And yet they still held on to their faith because they knew that God was going to do a new thing. They longed for a relationship with God to be restored and reconciled. But there were others in the Israelite community that thought faith was a thing of the past. And they disbanded it and let it go. The prophet Isaiah, who has spoken to the Israelites before about their falls and about their failures and about their wrong-headed deeds and about the judgment that was to come, was speaking to the Israelites yet again. They had been in Babylon for nearly 65 years, and the current generation of people living there had no idea of what the promised land was. They knew nothing other than exile. Year after year echoed away like the tide that never comes in. The life in the promised land that they once knew was often the distant memory. Something of generations past that would never be again. In the scripture from Isaiah 43 that we heard from Caitlin this morning, God through the prophet Isaiah calls the Israelites to do three things. To remember and then to forget and then to look ahead. Can we say those three things together? Remember, forget, and look ahead. Remember and forgetting, it seems quite contradictory, doesn't it? Remember, forget, look ahead. Isaiah 43 says, and it begins by saying, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, I have named you, and I have claimed you. You are mine. In this word, God is both being possessive and protective. God is taking responsibility for their existence as a nation. I created you. I formed you. I named you. God is reminding the Israelites that God has been in covenant with them since the very beginning. Remember, remember all of this. Remember what I have done for you in the past. I have already claimed you. I've already named you. I've already been with you and I have already redeemed you. God is telling about these promises to help them remember how he had provided in the past. And God continues in verse 2, 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. These words of recollection had rung in their ears time and time again. Even though they were in exile, God had not abandoned them. God had not left their side. God was still with them. Even in times of isolation and despair and exile, God was still with them. Even as they were crossing the Sinai Desert, even as they were crossing the Red Sea, God was ushering them into the new land, the promised land. Even as the water had surged over their heads, they had been delivered. They had even seen their enemies be swept away. In fact, their enemies were drowning in the Red Sea, in the very waters that saved them. 
There were stories of the Israelites and their deliverance by a pillar of fire, by a fiery furnace, and it was all part of the redemption in the wilderness. But how could they trust the fires from before? How could they trust the waters, the restorative waters? God says, remember. Remember, I am the God who had created you. I am the king. I am the God of the Exodus who delivered you from the Egyptians at the Red Sea. I provided manna for you. I provided and protect you, protected you all along. Remember that I am true to my promises. Remember that I am faithful. Remember to hope always. We always need a word of hope. Amen? Amen. It's easy in those times when we feel discouraged and like a failure and abandoned to forget the power and majesty of God, but God does not change, nor does his promise or power. The author of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, reminds us that we have a God who will never leave us or forsake us. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper and I will not be afraid. God is the same in the past and today and forever. Even when we fall out of sync and even when we fail and even when we turn away, God is still there. In those times of despair and isolation and loneliness, we might feel like God has left us. But the question can be flipped. Are we looking in the right place? Are we expecting God to show up in the same way as God had before? Are we really attentive to all of those places of our life when and where God is actually showing up? We often think of God's presence with us to be measured in terms of joy and celebration and triumph. But those are often times when we forget that God is both the God of the cross and the God of resurrection. Bringing redemption from our suffering and from our brokenness. When we feel like God is absent from our lives, we've often overlooked that God is even present in the darkness. Amen? The fact is, friends, that God is still with the Israelites even though they are in exile. And God is with us throughout our lives. Every day, every hour, every minute. So God called the Israelites to remember and then to forget. God, seriously? You just helped us to remember all of your mighty acts of salvation. And now you're calling us to forget the old things, the things of old, the former things. God, seriously? The mighty acts of deliverance in Exodus, God was reminding them of the manna in the desert providing during the Red Sea, even the event that formed them as a people and as a nation. It's like calling us as Christians to forget about Easter. Don't forget about the, forget about the cross, forget about the empty tomb. But this is the shock that is needed to resuscitate the Israelites and even to resuscitate us. The spiritual discipline of forgetting. The problem was not that their allegiance was not to the God of the Exodus, but that the fact is that they lived in the past. It's one thing to learn from the past, but it's another thing to live in the past. Living in the past is disabling. It means that you can never be fully satisfied with today. It stops you from seeing what is happening right in your midst. And we neglect to see how God is actually showing up and how God is at work when we are chained down by the things of the past. When we live in that sense of nostalgia, it makes us believe that things were truly great in the past rather than the problems that truly existed. Have you ever said that? Maybe breathed it? Ah, the good old days. Ah, when gas was only $1.89. 
Or for some of you, 89 cents, maybe 29 cents, who knows? Ah, the good old days when a dozen of eggs didn't cost $5. Ah, ah, the good old days. We long for nostalgia, but in looking to the past, we have selective remembering. We rewrite nostalgia by only remembering the highlight reels, what was good or not so good. But if you only remember the past, you can't look forward to the future. Maybe you remember back in Exodus when Israel was not so long out of the Sinai desert and they were barely dry from their escape from the Red Sea. They began to say, you know, maybe things weren't so bad in Egypt. Maybe Pharaoh wasn't such a slave driver as he was before. At least we had food to eat, right? Except for this manna from the the wilderness. Oh, just manna each and every day. We had better food than this in Egypt. And now all that they see as they look around, all that they see is wilderness, is desert in any direction. You know, we had homes back there. We didn't, we weren't treated very well, but you know, it was a good place. We should go back. When the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness and even while they were held captive in Babylon, in each instance and each level of uncertainty that they were encroaching upon, there was this angst about the future. The future is always a disturbing and an unsettling place. We're on where we feel lost because we're not in control. We're not even in control of the situation that we find ourselves in. We're not even in control of our own anxiety. Ah, if only we could go back to the good old days. Given the choice, we too would rather go back to the good old days. Or at least some resemblance of them. We would rather go back to a simpler time. A time of Mayberry. But friends, we can't go back. We can't go back because the things that were ordinary and routine are no longer ordinary and routine. It's hard for all of us to allow another person or another thing to be in control of our lives. But isn't that an issue of faith? Allowing another, even God, to challenge us and to change us. And the challenge is grounded in fear because we don't want to let go. We would rather hold on and cling to and grip on that thing that we don't want to let go. God's call to the Israelites and to us is to remember the past but not to live there. We live forward with the hope of heaven. Amen? We live with the understanding and the expectation that this is not all that there is. What we have here and now in our presence and in this moment, this is not all that there is. There is something better that is to come. There is something more. Because if we only look back, that we're not expecting God to actually show up and work and be in our midst. We lose our faith. The same God who calls upon Israel to no longer remember the former things or the things of old also stands ready to let go of the past. In Isaiah 43, 25, it says this, I am he, I am God, the God who blots out your transgressions and your sins for my own sake. I will remember your sins and your trespasses no more. God's forgiveness of us and the Israelites doesn't excuse our behavior or their behavior. We are all still held accountable for failing to heed the prophet's word. And God's word and God's forgiveness does not depend on Israel's worthiness, nor does it depend on our worthiness. We are forgiven not because of who we are, but because of who God is. Amen? We are not forgiven because of who we are but we are forgiven because who God is. 
our repentance. It's always a response to what God has done and God is doing. God's word of acceptance and forgiveness always comes first. God is the one who always moves first. God promises a means away from those former things and those things of old to a new thing. I am about to do a new thing, God says. That's the last and the most important that God calls the Israelites to do, to always look ahead. Remember, forget, and look ahead. Israel is going to return from Babylon back to Jerusalem, back home. And this new thing that is going to happen is going to affect the whole world, particularly the desert. And it's going to be transformed. God is doing a new thing as he did for the slaves in Egypt and as he did as those in exile and as he did in Jesus Christ and as he did and is doing right now. Amen. God says in Isaiah 43:19, I am about to do a new thing. A new thing is going to spring forth. Do you not perceive it? Do you not understand? I will make a way in the wilderness. I will make rivers in the desert. Look ahead. God calls the Israelites and us to remember and to forget, but to look ahead always. You can't go back there. Forget about it. Remembering gives us our foundations and forgetting removes all of the debris that has existed. And then we are back to our own basics. We're back to our foundation. We're back to God. And then we're called to look ahead. In this word of Isaiah, we find hope that in life and in death and life beyond death, our God lives and acts and creates and intervenes and intrudes and moves among us. God is always at work among us. God is always doing a new thing. In creation, God speaks the word and brings order to the chaos. In Exodus and in Egypt, God brings forth and shepherds and ushers the Israelites to the promised land and then back to the Exodus and then back to the promised land. In Jesus, God is doing a new thing by dwelling amongst us, incarnating, being like one of us, daring to risk entry, becoming enfleshed so that we might know him and his love for us. His love that sent him to a cross where he was crucified and died on a lonely hill in Jerusalem. As the tomb was closed, there was the end, right? The end of the story. But God speaks another word. God does a new thing. Resurrection. My friends, there is always hope. Amen? God is doing a new thing all around us. Breaking down the strongholds, bringing faith to the faithless, bringing hope to the hopeless, hardening those hearts and then softening those hearts. God is doing a new thing, but if we don't look, we won't see it. Be on the lookout. Look ahead. God is always doing a new thing. Let go of all of that that consumes you from the past and forget about it. You can't go back there. You can only look forward. There is so much baggage that we have from the past. Guilt, hurt, shame. And yet we hold on to it and we cling to it. It weighs us down. And yet God says, come to me. I know that you are burdened. I know that you are weary. Come to me and I will take it all from you. I will give you rest. 
My friends, God is taking all of our hurt, all of our brokenness, all of our shame and all of our hurt and all of our pain and God is transforming it. Behold, I am doing a new thing. I am making all things new. My friends, this day and every day, it is my job, literally my job, to remind you, much like God reminds the Israelites, to hope. There is always hope. Do not fear. The same God that told the Israelites says it to you as well. I have made you. I have formed you. I have created you. And I have redeemed you. Always and every day. I am with you throughout it all. Amen? As we come to our prayer time this morning, I want to invite you to put out your arms like this on your lap and clench your fists. And welcome to those of you who are joining us online. I want to invite you to do the same thing. And as we clench our fists together, I want you to think in your mind all of those things from 2022. And it doesn't even have to be just from 22. From your entire life. All of those things that you hold on to, the hurt, the guilt, the failures, the ways that you have fallen, the ways that you have sinned against God and the ways you have sinned against one another. Hold on to that just for a moment because you're going to let it go. Amen. Cling to that. 